Welcome to the Devoted City Church podcast. Our mission is to help people find, trust, and follow Jesus. To learn more about our church, visit devotedcity.com. In today's episode, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Donnie Williams, or a member of our teaching team. Well, as we watch that video, it's just a reminder that as we celebrate a day off and a long weekend, uh, we want to remember those who gave their lives so we can enjoy the freedoms that we get to enjoy. So remember to do that this weekend as you celebrate whatever Memorial Day is for you. So I want to ask you a question. Uh, If you had to rate on a scale of one to 10, the amount of peace in your life, and I'm not gonna put you on the spot and ask you to do it other than just in your own head. Uh, If you had to rate the amount of peace, one to 10 uh, in your life, what is it? A 10 being like total peace, schedule's awesome, never get in a hurry, things are great. If that's you, come talk to me afterwards, please. (laughs) Uh, Or maybe a two where you're like, I don't have a lot of peace. In fact, I feel stressed out most of the time. Well, today I'm gonna talk about the one thing that will take more peace out of our lives than anything else, and that's our pace. The speed with which we live and interact on a day-to-day basis has the potential to pull the peace out of our lives. We're taking a one-week break from our series. If you're new to LifePoint, we're in this uh, 17-week series uh, through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We're taking a break from that today. Next week, you don't want to miss what I'm talking about from Matthew chapter 7, and that is when Jesus talked about false teachers and false disciples. They existed then, they exist now, and that's what I'm going to be talking about next week. So don't miss that one. So if our peace in life is connected to our pace, why do we have a typical life that goes something like this? Uh, We hurry to school. Uh, We hurry uh, to work. We hurry to whatever's next. We hurry through life. Like if you're a parent, isn't it one of the most freeing feelings ever when your kid can buckle themselves in a car? (laughs) And then they're able to do a little more on their own and a little bit more on their own. And then one day they get in a car all by themselves and drive away. And then they go to college And those of us who remember what it was like to first enter the working world, we enter the working world and we start to think, well, if we're, if we're single, we're hoping to get married probably, Uh, then we're hoping to, to get a good career so we can buy some stuff and see some stuff and enjoy parts of life that you can only enjoy if you have uh, taken care of yourself financially. And then we work really hard for the bulk of our lives and we get to this time people call retirement. Uh, And then what happens after retirement? What happens after retirement? You can tell me. You die. I hope I'm being encouraging to you on our big holiday weekend. But it's true. Hurry through life and get to the end of it. And so here we are at the beginning of a season that is typically busy. This kicks off the summer weekend. So it's when uh, the pools open. Probably not today, but it's normally when they open. It's when our schedule just totally ramps up. And some of you are already looking through going, I cannot wait till the summer's passed. Because you know what your schedule is going to be like over the next few months. Why do we do that to ourselves? I was talking to one of my friends who's a really busy guy. 
has a full-time job, has a side gig, is busy all the time. And I was like, well, like, when do you rest? Like, you're busy all the time. He said, I'm planning on working the morning of the funeral. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I got it. Why do we do that to ourselves? Because here's what happens. When our pace heats up, when our pace is moving really fast and it turns into busyness, what happens is, Busyness covers up things that we really need to deal with. So let's say your back is hurting or your knee or something else that's hurting and you take a pill, it will stop the pain for a little while, but it will never fix what's really wrong. If you've got a torn ligament or a bulging disc, there's no pills gonna fix that. They'll relieve the symptoms for a while, but they won't fix it. And busyness can be that same way. It's just covering up something else that's in our lives that we need to deal with. But what if it could be different? The peace in life should be greater than the pace of life. So your pace shouldn't be so fast that you're not enjoying the peace. Why do, we allow, why do we allow ourselves to get so busy? It's really a cultural thing. It's kind of bred into us. In the late 1960s, futurists predicted that by the turn of the centuries, that by the turn of the century, our work week would be reduced to 27 hours. And they also predicted by the early 2000s, the greatest problem in our culture would be what will Americans do with all the free time they have left over? <laughs> and it was all because things were gonna be automated because of computers. And they said, we're gonna have so much digital technology at our fingertips that we can actually get more done in less time and so we're gonna have more leisure time. That's what they predicted would happen. What they did not predict was people somewhere going, well, if we can get more done in less time, we can get a lot more done in the same amount of time and we can have more profit. And nobody predicted we would have all that power now in our pockets that kind of rules our lives. But we thought these devices we could control were coming in the future and it was gonna adapt, our lives were gonna adapt in such a way that we would have all this free time and we would not be busy all the time trying to make ends meet because so much would be automated and what happened, we controlled nothing. In fact, it now controls us. And what sounded like a promising future became one where more people are pressured by their schedules and achieving than ever before. I mean, there are 10-year-olds that are stressed out because of their schedule. There's a story in the Old Testament that gives us some great insight as to how humans think. Gives us some great insight to human nature. So if you feel yourself being busy and used up and burned out and at the end of your rope, uh, that's what humans have always done. There's a story in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter eight where the nation of Israel, which is the whole story of the Old Testament, God's relationship with this one nation, they had left slavery. They had spent 40 years wandering in the desert. What they were supposed to be doing is learning to trust God 
they're getting ready to enter this land that's going to be their own land, the promised land. And it's going to be a land of abundance. But before they enter this land of abundance, God comes to them and he says two words, be careful. Now, if God is saying, be careful, you should probably be careful. So I'm going to read 20 verses out of Deuteronomy 8, just so you get an idea of the human nature that we all deal with. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order that, in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, deep springs, gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied and you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and naked waterless land with this venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble you and test you, and in the end, it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. So here's the context in which God says all of that to the Israelites. He's telling them, you're going to be in a better place. It's going to be easier. The difficulty you've experienced is no longer going to be there. You're going to have a 27-hour work week. That's what God is saying. You're going to go to a place where you feel my comfort and, and enjoy me daily. But also, 
He said, you're going to a place where you're going to be tempted to forget me. Things will be going so well that you will forget me. And when things are going well, we are all at the risk of, like they were, of forgetting that it was God's power that provided for them. They were at the risk of trusting in their own power instead of God's, which made them turn to other gods. And he says, if you do that, you'll be destroyed. Now, how does that apply to us today? Well, the busyness to achieve is the same thing. So he's telling them, you're gonna go into this land where everything's gonna work. The stocks are always gonna be up. Everything's gonna appreciate. You're gonna have more abundance than you ever thought possible, but you need to be careful. And when we're always busy and overscheduled and we never have enough time because we're trying to achieve whatever it is we're going after, it's easy to forget that God is our provider. It's easy to forget when the bank account is full and the income is up and health is great and nothing's going wrong, it's really easy to forget. But if that bank account gets emptied out and things get bad, you're gonna be calling on God. It's like if you've ever been to a country where uh, the impoverished are the majority, it's interesting to watch. I've been to a few of those where the children don't know where their next meal is coming from. And what happens to them at night, I don't even like letting those thoughts go into my mind. And yet when we show up, there are these little kids come out and what do you see on their face? Smiles, happiness. Will you kick the soccer ball with me? And they're wanting to take pictures with you and they just genuinely look happy. How could it be that someone with so little could be so happy? Well, when you have nothing, it's easier to trust in God for everything. But when you seem to have everything, it gets harder to trust in God for anything. See, we trust in our power over God's. It's kind of like what the Israelites are doing, worshiping other gods. And you may think, well, I don't, I would never worship another God. This is a great quote from Martin Luther. He said, whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is really your God. And when we do that, just like God told the Israelites, you will be destroyed if you forget me. You will be destroyed if you think you're the reason all this stuff's going well. You'll be destroyed. And if your busyness is outpacing your life and it's sucking all the peace out of your life, you're gonna be destroyed. It's gonna destroy your health. It's gonna destroy your rhythms. It's gonna destroy relationships. And we call it busyness. There's a lot of different ways people refer to it. There's actually a, a term, uh, it's called hurry sickness. Uh, that it, it, what it is, hurry sickness is this. This comes from a book uh, by a guy named John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Write that down. If you struggle with hurry, you need to slow down this summer and read that book. It'd be a great summer read. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Go ahead and look on Amazon right now. It's probably what you're doing. But if, you forget, if you forget, ask somebody out at the next step table. They'll tell you about it. But here's, here's his explanation of hurry sickness. 
It's a behavioral pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness or the feeling of being chronically short of time. This leads to habitual multitasking, even to the point of forgetting many tasks and losing things. Should you be elbowing someone or are they elbowing you right now? If we're talking about forgetting many tasks and losing things, I'm guilty. And I need to eliminate hurry right along with you. Uh, there's a, a great little... Uh, article he put together. It's called uh, 10 Symptoms of Hurry Sickness. You can pick one up on the way out today by the Next Steps table. Pick one of those up. See if you, in fact, suffer from one of these or all of these 10 symptoms of hurry sickness. See, a hurried life is not the life that Jesus promised. He, He didn't promise us that Hey, life's going to go fast. Life, life you got to hurry. You got to rush through life. You got you to make things happen. That's not what Jesus asked us to do. In fact, we can read Jesus speaking in the first century to people in the first century, and you might think, well, what in the world did they have to hurry for? Like they didn't have a phone in their pocket. They didn't have all the conveniences we have. So how could they have felt hurried and rushed and burdened? Well, evidently, They figured out a way to do that. Because in Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 28, Jesus said these words to a group of people who were struggling with their pace. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And I've described before, yoke just meant the the religious laws that were put around their necks. And they were so overburdened by that, so overburdened by their pace of life and trying to please God, the God that the way he'd been presented to them through religious leaders, that they had no peace in their life. And Jesus said, look, you can come to me and get peace. So a, a life that is busy all the time is unsustainable for everyone. And Jesus said, when you feel that, you can come to me and I will give you peace. And that's what he offers us. So the answer is slowing down. So how do you do that? Well, to slow down, we are gonna have to go against advice that's been given to us all of our lives. Advice that's been given to us is you have to achieve, you have to hurry, you have to be better and faster and stronger and smarter than the next person or you're never gonna get ahead in life. And so that causes us to run through life at a hurried pace that we were not designed to live in. Instead, we're taught, hey, you need to get more done in less time. You need to rush. And we're more rich in possessions than the rest of the world But you know what we have? We're not impoverished with possessions. We all have that. But what we're impoverished in is time. We're time poor. And if you've ever been to one of those places I mentioned somewhere else in the world, you know that time just seems to move a little bit slower. 
I got a friend that I visited a few times in Dominican Republic. He runs this ministry. It's way up on a mountain. Uh, and one day uh, I remember he said, hey, Donnie, here's what we're doing today. We're going to get in the van and we're going to go to the store. We're going to go down the mountain, which was like an hour drive. We're going to go down the mountain to the store. And I was like, and? Like we can do anything else? Like that's the day? It's two hours. We got a lot more time. What are we going to do with the rest of the day? He said, we're going to go down the mountain and we're going to go to the store. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'm here for six days. Like, what are we going to do? I want to do stuff. Come on, let's do something. He said, we're going to go down the mountain and we're going to go to the store. And he is one of the happiest people that I know. So here's what slowing down does. Slowing down creates margin for what's most important. So whatever's in your life, whatever's going on in your life, slowing down creates margin for what's important. So if, you're, if you have a family, slowing down in your life, no matter what that costs you, is going to create margin for what's most important. Dads, here's what you need to know. Moms, here's what you need to know. There's only one person that can fulfill your role. Whatever you do to earn income, put money in the bank, there's a lot of people that can do that. And one day somebody else will do it because you'll be done. But the kids, they got one dad. I got one mom that God's given the responsibility to lead. And the sooner you realize that, it's easier to look at your schedule and go, well, why don't I do the things that, that I'm responsible for that only I can do? And this other thing over here that somebody else is eventually going to do anyway, well, I won't let that take up more of my time than the things that only I can do. Slowing down creates margin for what's most important. You know, with all that Jesus had to do, and he could have just declared himself rested. He didn't have to rest. He goes, I'm rested. <laughs> he would have been rested. I mean, he raised somebody from the dead. He caused a, a blind man to see. He caused a, a, a man who couldn't walk to walk. So he could perform miracles. So he could miraculously declare himself and his disciples rested. But that's not what he did. You can read over and over in the life of Jesus how many times he actually went away and got some rest. One of those times is in the New Testament book of Mark when Jesus had just told his disciples, I want you to go out and I want you to teach what I've been teaching and I want you to heal people, cast out demons, do miracles. So he gave them the power to go do that. Well, if you could do that today, if I could perform miracles right here, we would not have enough room for people. We could do a service an hour and pack it 24 seven because people are attracted to that stuff. And so can you imagine the stress that would put on the person that could perform the miracle? And so he sent the disciples out and he said, I want you to go and I want you to teach and I want you to heal. And then they come back. It's in Mark chapter six. It says the, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. In the middle of all of that hustle and bustle and people pushing in, I need this healed and, and my daughter's sick, my mom needs healing and all the stuff that they needed. Jesus said, you know what? You guys haven't even stopped long enough to eat. So we need to go away and, and we need to get some rest. See, here's the hardest part of slowing down. 
The hardest part of us slowing down is it means that we're going to have to move at a pace slower than the world around us moves. And that's what Jesus is saying. When he says, come on, let's rest. He's saying the world's crazy right now. Everybody wants a piece of you. uh, So we need to stop that and you need to go away and let's rest. And so the very next thing it says is, so they went away by themselves on a boat to a solitary place. That, that word solitary in the original language of Greek uh, is actually the same word that's translated desert or wilderness. So let's go someplace where for a time things are slower. See, a, a week at Disney's not gonna get you this. Like it does the opposite. A week away with, you know, 50 people or what, you know, vacation normally doesn't relax you. And so what do we do to develop this rhythm of peace that Jesus is talking about? Well, we're going to have to learn how to disengage from the world around us in such a way that the pace slows down and we can have a rhythm of connecting with God and ourselves in a way that we can't when we're running at the same pace the world runs at. There's this experiment that some scientists did on, on some mice, and what they discovered was when they took uh, a bunch of mice and they gave them amphetamines, they were trying to discover or trying to figure out the effect of amphetamines on, on people by studying it on mice, and the amount that it takes to kill a mouse living in solitude is really high. Like it takes quite a bit of amphetamines to kill a mouse if they're like in a little box alone. But a group of mice, when you put them together, it takes a dosage 20 times less to kill all of them. So here's the observation the scientists made. He said, a mouse given no amphetamines at all when placed in a group on the drug will get so hopped up that in 10 minutes or so, it will act just like the mice who are drugged and it'll be dead with the rest of them. Here's what we can learn from those mice. We will tend to act like the world and culture around us unless we consciously say, I gotta pull myself away from that. We will tend to get sucked into everything the world argues about and runs for and looks like and seeks in a lifetime if we don't consciously say, I'm going to pull myself away from that. And you all, you probably heard this. You're the result of the five people that you live most of your life with. The five, think of your five closest friends. Your life is probably pretty similar to theirs. We tend to just start to act alike and be around people that are like us. And so if we're around people that never slow down, that always just keep going, 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 and never stop and look different from the world around us, we're gonna be burnt out just like the world around us is. So what's the answer? Well, the answer is the same answer Jesus gave the disciples. Slow down to a sustainable pace because slowing down creates margin for what's most important. So live at a pace that's sustainable. That's simple to say, but it's not easy to do. Here's a few ways I found that you can slow down. Number one, take control of your schedule. Just take control of it. You have it. 
Take control of it. So that means if you have control of your schedule, we need to learn to say no to the distractions. And here's what, here's what we know about God. God's never gonna give us something to do and then not give us the time to do it. Another thing we can do, so saying no is one of the biggest things. Another thing we can do, intentionally wait. Like when you get back on 540 or capital, go the speed limit. Now somebody's gonna honk at you and probably you know, give you a hand gesture for going the speed limit, but just try it. Just go the speed limit. When you go to the restaurant today and it's like it's 25 minutes, say, no big deal. I'm just going to sit right here. I'll be here in 25 minutes just waiting. Try that. There's a great uh, article, and I don't know what all the guy stands for. I just know this one article is really good. His name is Jake Knapp, and he wrote a blog called My Year with a Distraction-Free iPhone. It was, it's really good what he interacted with and how his year without a smartphone changed his life. And then another thing we can do to slow down is schedule our rest. We schedule everything else. You schedule meetings. You schedule uh, phone calls. Schedule trips. Schedule your rest. Can you do it once a week? Can you do it a couple times a month, whatever you can do, schedule your rest and force yourself to do it. Now, we have to live in the fast lane sometimes. There's projects due. It's the end of the semester. Something's happening. You procrastinated. So we have to live in the fast lane because sometimes life gives us no choice, but we can't stay there. You got to slow down somewhere. And our ability to slow down demonstrates our level of trust in God to take care of what needs to be taken care of. Now, I want you to imagine your life moving at a sustainable pace. The one where you can enjoy the time that's passing, it's gonna pass one way or the other. Like you can't stop time from passing. It's gonna pass either way. You're gonna get older. The kids are gonna grow up. All that's gonna happen either way. But what if you backed up and took a different approach and said, I'm gonna enjoy all this time instead of rushing through it. Enjoy it at a pace that keeps you healthy, that keeps you connected to your church family, keeps you engaged with your own family at every possible moment. See, I think if we do this, our most productive years can be ahead of us. And you may be horrible at managing your time. You may be horrible at slowing down, but wherever you are, you can just draw a line and say, this day forward, I'm gonna do time differently. I'm gonna live my pace differently because our peace in life is more important than our pace of life. Now let these words to Jesus speak to you. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is life. So slow down, take a breath before you rush into the fast-paced summer, Say no to the pace and yes to the peace. Let's pray. God, as we enter into a season that tends to be busier, I pray that we can pull away from the speed of the culture around us and just rest and just be quiet and just learn to completely trust you for all the outcomes in our life. 
God, for those of us who are living at an unsustainable pace, give us the strength to slow down, to plan our rest, and to be all that you've created us to be. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Devoted City Church Podcast. If you liked today's episode, rate us and subscribe so others can be encouraged too. We invite you to join us on a weekend at one of our locations or online at devotedcity.com. 